Senator Brian Pettyjohn is the Senate Republican Whip and represents the 19th Senate District. He joins the Second Floor Podcast to discuss Governor Carney's proposed electric vehicle mandate and Senate Bill 35, the Mini Bond Bill. Welcome back to another episode of the Second Floor Podcast, yeah. recorded and produced by the Delaware State Senate Republican Caucus. My name is Matt Revel. I'm the Communications Director for the Caucus, and today with me, I have Senator Brian Pettyjohn. Hey there. He is the Senate Republican Whip. He represents the 19th Senatorial District down in Georgetown and Long Neck, outskirts of Seaford. North part of Millsboro now. Um, the area in back of Hopkins Dairy Farm, uh, Angola Neck area. That's uh, some of my new area that I've picked up. And even going closer to Laura, I've got three quarters of hard scrabble now. Interesting. Yeah. Well, it's a pretty diverse area. It, right? Very diverse district. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very diverse. Well, look, Senator, I just wanted to really want to jump right into it. It's actually probably in the five years that I've worked here. Probably the busiest January that yeah. I can remember. Yeah. I don't know about you. For, a lot going on. Yeah. yeah, a lot going on this January. Um, and a number of controversial topics, mm-hmm. which, again, is quite unusual for January, particularly mm-hmm. starting out the new General Assembly. Yeah. Um, a lot of it's just, for lack of a better term, from formalities mm-hmm. and things of that nature. But a couple topics that came up that we I wanted to discuss with you, uh, particularly the zero emission vehicle yeah. standard mandate. Right. I think I got that right. Pretty much, yeah. 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 And so, long story short, last March, March of 2022, Governor Carney and uh, Secretary Denrek, Secretary Garvin, announced that uh, Delaware would be adopting the zero emission vehicle standard regulations that uh, are currently are uh, either in place, no, they are in place, they are in, place California. in California. Right. Either way, adopting this language from California. Um, right off the bat, I mean, what what was your opinion then, kind of not knowing everything that was going into it? But I think it's safe to say probably as we've learned more, it's a little bit more egregious than what it, we anticipated. It is, yeah. And, you know, look, <clears throat> you know, whenever you whenever we hear that Delaware is going to adopt standards from another state, First question is, well, what are those standards? You know, what does that mean? And, um, you know, looking at some of the details of what they were wanting to do, you know, pretty much banning the sale of new uh, gas or diesel powered vehicles, um, really from a, a size of one of those large UPS trucks that goes through the neighborhood all the way down to a small compact car, um, you know, that, that's that's worrisome. It, it's worrisome. Um, for, for a number of reasons, you know, one this past winter, you know, we, we've been seeing, you know, reports of, of cars getting stranded with big snowstorms up in the uh, in the upper Midwest. Um, you know, we're hearing of some of the trials uh, of the the new F-150 Lightning. You know, they, they work great until you hook something to them and then, you know, the range goes down significantly. Right. Um, you know, we're, we're starting to hear some of the not so good side of the electrical vehicle, uh, the electric vehicle market. And, uh, you know, I've always been one that's been skeptical of a government mandate, period. Uh, so if the government's saying, look, we, we're not going to allow you to buy a new gasoline or a diesel, you know, pickup truck, F-150, it's got to be electric. 
um, you've got to look and see, okay, you know, what, what does that mean to, to our constituents? What does this mean to our economy? And um, we're not there yet. Now, I, I, think the, I think they're trying to say, well, you know, we anticipate the technology will catch up to it by that time. That's not the way it works. You know, the government doesn't, through fiat, say, you know, you're going to develop this technology. Sometimes it just doesn't work according to a government timeline. Uh, you know, the technology needs to be out there, it needs to be proven, and then if the government wants to come in and, and drive the market toward that, that's probably a more appropriate place. I still don't like that, but I think that's a more appropriate thing to do rather than saying, here's our goal, the technology better be there, otherwise, well, we're going to have to revisit and, and do something else. And, and it's also worth mentioning, this isn't even through legislation. No, no, it's, it's not. It's completely top-down yeah. executive. It's, it's through the executive branch, through their authority that they have uh, within Delaware Code uh, to regulate emissions. Uh, it, it's, it's through their air quality. So, um, you know, the state has two options. They can go with the California standards or they can go with the federal standards. There's no in-between. Uh, it, it's one or the other. So uh, the federal standards don't have a timeline. There, there is no uh, drop-dead date that, you know, all the new vehicles have to be uh, electric. That's, uh, that doesn't exist on the federal side right now. It may at some point in time, uh, but it's not there. So, you know, our push is, hey, you know, the California standards, it might be aggressive for them. I, I think California is going to have, I mean, California think, you know, my district's diverse. California, you know, it's a huge state. You know, a, a lot of, you know, people think, you know, the, the cities in California, but there's just so many rural areas um, that are in California as well that I think there's going to be serious problems uh, with implementing something as aggressive as this in California even. So, so I wanted to, in preparing for this episode, if you will, I, I was wanting to pull the original press release. Let me get this date correct. March 3rd, 2022 is when this was announced. Um, again, the details hadn't been fully uh, publicized, I guess, mm. or, you know, you know fo definitely hadn't had a chance to really go we had, Nobody it. had really vetted it as of that point. But I, <laughs> I found this quote pretty interesting. Um, this is from Governor Carney again on March 3rd, 2022. Quote, by adopting the ZEV, so zero emission vehicle regulations, Delaware drivers won't have to go out of state to find an electric vehicle to purchase. Let me just stop right there. I don't think that's the issue now. Well, it's right? not the issue now. I mean, if you want an electric vehicle, you can buy an electric vehicle in Delaware. Uh, that's, that's not a problem right yeah. now. I mean, you can have one delivered to your house if you wanted to. Um, <laughs> it's funny, you know, look at the flip side. And, you know, if this goes, if this had gone through, if this will go through as they intend, well, no, you won't be able to, you'll be able to get an electric vehicle in state. But if that doesn't fit your needs of your family or your business or whatever, you have to go out of state to get a, a gas or a diesel powered vehicle. So, you know, again, it should be up to the consumer to, to decide what they want. Um, you know, the, the emissions on vehicles today are not like they used to be either. I mean, they, you know, even, you know, your, your, you know, your pickup trucks, you know, they've got so many emissions control, emission control features on there now um, that, I mean, it's just a fraction of the emissions that it used to be back, you know, during your carbureted engine days. So, you know, a lot of what we're getting right now, yeah, a lot of, a lot of it comes from the transportation sector. Um, but let's start looking at what comes across from the bay and from, from, you know, the western side. We're kind of at the end of that tailpipe when it comes to the prevailing winds. Winds flow generally from west to east. We're on the East Coast, so we are getting all the pollutants from, 
you know, every point west of us uh, that's coming in and impacting our air. And, and there are some days, uh, especially up in Newcastle County, where we are above um, some of those uh, air pollution uh, thresholds uh, during the summertime. But, but generally, you know, we're not in horrible shape here in Delaware. And so earlier this week, our caucus, um, in coordination with some of the House members, as well, House Republican members, I should note, um, we started this campaign, if you will, call to action, mm-hmm. right? Um, sent, it, sent it out in our, all our newsletters, on our social media posts. By the way, uh, and the call to action was to essentially write or call Governor Carney's office and Secretary uh, Garvin's office. Just tell them what you think about this. Yeah. Tell them that you, if you oppose it, especially um, tell, them, tell them as such. Because really, as we mentioned earlier uh, in this in this. Uh, conversation here the legislature really doesn't have a whole lot of well we don't have any say in it well we we don't have say right now i mean we could step in and stop it uh but i don't see the general assembly with the current control them stepping in and and putting a stop to it so it's going to be pressure to um to the executive branch to secretary garvin to governor carney uh, and really get these things, especially, you know, now is important, but when they open this up for the public workshops uh, after the draft resolutions are done, that's going to be another key time because those uh, emails, those communications are going to be part of the public record when it comes to, uh, you know, if there's ever any challenges to it, uh, you know, for uh, the the review that they are supposed to be taking, the the, the taking of the public input and, and weighing of the opinions of the public. Uh, that's going to be the important part as well. And last I checked, just before you, just before you came in, uh, we're close to twenty thousand impressions between the social media posts, uh, the number of reads on our newsletters, mm-hmm. and the amount of times that they've been open and stuff. So this is definitely gaining traction. And it, it I is. don't know, have you seen any correspondence in your newsletter oh, yeah. or I mean, your I've, email? I've, yeah, yeah I'm, I've been getting a steady flow of, of emails uh, saying that people don't support it. I've not got one specific email to me saying we need to do this. Um, you know, there's been some that said, okay, let's, you know, we don't, we, we think it's a good idea, but this is too an aggressive a timeline. Um, but nobody that has said, yes, let's, let's go with it. Let's go with the time frame that uh, is currently proposed and, and they're a hundred percent in favor. And I, I haven't gotten anything like that. And I think it's also worth noting that if, if, We've, we've had in the past, and even in conversation I've had with folks, you know, you'll hear, well, it's not. This isn't actually going to happen, right? I think precedent, yeah, yeah history yeah, it, will say that now they're going to move forward with yeah. this, particularly the ideology, frankly, of Secretary Garvin uh, and the top folks at Denrock, all good people. Mm-hmm. But they want to move the, forward with this. is part of this. the agenda that Absolutely. they have, um, you know, for, for their plan uh, to address... Um, you know, pollutants in the air, you know, it's, it's, it's part of their plan. And, you know, and again, there was a bill last year that uh, would have pretty much given DENREC uh, more authority uh, over other cabinet agencies as well in what they do. Uh, and that, that bill luckily was defeated. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, the executive branch is a co-equal branch of government to the General Assembly. In fact, there's, there's a lot of people, and, and I would argue as well, that the general, you know, you've got three equal branches of government, but the legislative is more equal uh, because it directly represents the people. You know, the executive represents the state and the state government. The judicial represents the courts, but the people are represented by the General Assembly. And and, and when things like this happen, uh, they come to us. 
You know, they, we get the yelling and screaming. We get the email saying, don't do this. Um, but really, you know, we, we have to direct that uh, feedback to the executive branch because, you know, in, in past general assemblies, they have delegated their authority to make these rules to the departments. And now the departments have the power to do it. Uh, we can at any time pull those back. Uh, but again, we're, what we're facing right now with the, uh, the current makeup of the General Assembly, uh, it's unlikely that a, that a bill to advance that uh, would go through the General Assembly. Well, speaking of bills that did advance. Mm-hmm. Um, at, Let me go Senate Bill 35. Yeah, that's what yeah. we're headed to. Yeah, yeah. So every year, um, the General Assembly, it'll pass a bond bill. Yes. Well, you have the, the budget bill, grant and aid bond bill passes on or before June, June 30th. 30th. Yeah. So once the uh, General Assembly reconvenes the following January, um, there's a mini bond bill. And typically mm-hmm. it's very uncontroversial, um, it's just technical corrections. It might reshuffle some money from one's one allocation to another, to another. regardless. Yeah. No new money spent, like I said, non-controversial mm-hmm. largely. Should be. It should. It should be non-controversial, except this year. Except this year. Except yeah. this year. Uh, so Senate Bill Thirty-Five, the mini bond bill. Uh, why don't you explain kind of sure. what happened? It's, so, it's pretty. It can be a little hard to follow, but it it, it can be. Yeah. So um, the mini bond bill, and if you look at the title of the bill, it's an act, an act to amend the laws of Delaware relating to the Bond and Capital Improvements Act of the State of Delaware and certain of its authorities for the fiscal year ending June thirtieth, twenty twenty-three. Okay. That's usually what the name of the the long title of the bond bill is. Um, And so, you know, you've got certain things, you know, um, reallocation of money for school and safety and security, uh, minor minor capital improvements, uh, procurement thresholds, community transportation funds. There was a project that I actually had put uh, that I asked to be put in there. Um, Criminal legal system imposed debt study group, uh, forming a a study group. Department of Transportation reprogramming transfer, uh, repro- uh, you know, putting monies from one program to another. Uh, you know, all of these things are pretty much, you know, what you ex- would expect. You know, things like the Troop 6 project, uh, Newcastle County Votech uh, athletic fields. Uh, but then you get down to section number 189, which is line 142. You got to go through 142 lines of the mini bond bill to get to section 189, which is community workforce agreement, office of management and budget. And then uh, the next section that was a uh, problematic, uh, section 190, community workforce agreement, department of transportation. So normally uh, there was a, there was a bill last year to do a pilot project with community workforce agreements. Um, in, in essence, um, this, this, uh, pushes certain projects. Uh, two out of Dell Dot, I think it was four out of Office of Management and Budget, uh, into a process where um, organized labor would have the first and foremost seat at the table to bid and to work uh, on these projects. And it's um, it's something that we don't do in the mini bond because with with mini bond, there's real no committee hear- hearings on them. You know, bond bill meets, they work on the mini bond, they put it in there, and, and it's usually just boom, you know. But with this, with these two types of things um, in, in this mini bond bill, um, it caused 
significant concern with our merit shops, with independent uh, contractors within Delaware, non-union affiliated contractors, minority contractors uh, here in Delaware, and uh, their 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 calls, their cries were were pretty much ignored um, by the majority. Um, you know, there was uh, no opportunity for them to go through a public hearing, so there was significant floor debate because of that. So the committee hearing and the floor debate had kind of happened at the same time. And unfortunately, on the floor debate, uh, you can't have people just, you know, walk up and offer their public comment, uh, as you should be able to in, a, in an open and transparent government. Right. Um, you know, we, we had to call witnesses. We had to call certain witnesses that represented groups uh, rather than, you know, allow people who were going to be affected by this to offer direct testimony. Um, so uh, this, this kind of tips the scales on some of these projects uh, in, in favor of uh, the union shops versus merit shops or independent shops. And, um, you know, really upsets the balance that, you know, the, the, the bidding process for, for, for state jobs, for state, you know, state jobs that are coming from taxpayer money uh, should be based completely on somebody's merit and, and their experience rather than union affiliation. Well, and, and as you mentioned, so the particular Tuesday, I think it was the 24th, if I'm doing my math in my head correctly, I believe it was Tuesday 24th, this bill was heard in the Senate. I, I don't know, 150, I would say, individuals At least, yeah. that were representing, um, representing the Latino community, mm-hmm. uh, other folks who just in general weren't members of a labor union. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they came to us before session and said, hey, look, this is going to really hurt our business. This right. is really going to hurt our ability to uh, get these jobs, mm-hmm. make a living. And as you mentioned, so we heard some very great and, and passionate testimony from some individuals. But long story short, it passed, ironically, with an amendment that we think <laughs> makes the bill worse. Mm-hmm. Senate Amendment 2 removes, let's say, deletes, quote, and or bona fide legal citizens of the state. Yeah. Uh, what do you, th- <laughs> what was our argument um, well, when that was presented? Our argument was that removing that language would make it so that not only would these go to, uh, you know, labor jobs, but uh, to residents uh, to employees that aren't even residents of Delaware. Right. So instead of state taxpayer money flowing into pockets of Delawareans who are hardworking Delawareans, it could go to people that are residents of Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Maryland, New York. You know, we're, we're in an area that's got a lot of workers in it, a lot of union workers, and unfortunately not a lot of them are in Delaware. Uh, so, you know, we were going to see that money flow out of the state. Uh, to uh, you know, to help families not from Delaware now. But but that language was initially in the bill, thus in well in theory I would say ensuring these jobs that had it gone had it passed unamended at least folks within the state mm-hmm. that were part of a labor union yeah. would have received the right the contract the contracts work yeah. Now that's not now that's not it, not there. guaranteed. That's not guaranteed. Right. No. Uh, and, and look, you know whether or not. It's it's union and union or not, you know these are prevailing wage jobs. Mm-hmm. So they would be paid the same whether they're a member of the union or not a member of a union. You know those you know, these types of jobs. You know the the workers get paid a certain dollar wage an hour, uh, union or not. So 
and, and they're usually, you know, pretty, pretty well-paying jobs. Uh, you know, if you ever look at the Department of Labor, uh, you know, what the prevailing wage rates for, you know, anything from a flagger to, uh, uh, to somebody who works on an elevator to, to a painter, you know, you'll see some of those wages are, are, are pretty high. Uh, so, um, you know, we could have, we could have had people in Delaware, uh, that, uh, that weren't member of a union that could be getting paid that wage for these state jobs. And, and now that's not guaranteed. So, so it passes the Senate yep. amended, mm-hmm. makes the bill somehow worse, but it did fast forward. Uh, well, I say fast forward moving along to Thursday, the 26th, when this bill was slated to be heard in the house of representatives, mm-hmm. I would say. I don't know, this might be a conservative estimate, but at least 400 individuals, um, again, representing the Latino community, non-union members and such, showed up to voice their opposition to this. And there, and there were union members there as well, quite mm-hmm. a bit, right? Mm-hmm. right? Um, <laughs> so the Republican caucus in the House was slated to run, I think it was three or four three amendments. amendments. I think there were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Four, No, four amendments were pre-filed, I believe. And yeah. we were under the impression at least going into well going into their session mm-hmm. that the bill didn't have the votes mm-hmm. what happened because <laughs> there, there was like you a know, two hour that, long that's a good question there there was <laughs> there was a long caucus um where i believe the director of the office of management and budget was talking to the majority caucus uh and uh, i mean Bottom line, at the end of the day, they ended up with the votes that they needed to pass the bill unamended. Yeah. Not sure what was said in their caucus. Um, you know, Un- not sure unamended further. Unamended yeah, further. Right. Unamended further. Um, you know, we were hanging around because we thought that there was going to be an amendment to the bond, to the mini bond that was going to be uh, attached to the House bill, and that would have sent it back to the Senate. And, you know, we would have had to stay to cast the final vote on it uh, in order to go on to JFC break with this being uh, passed. But... Um, lo and behold, something happened, discussions occurred, and there were no amendments that were agreed to, and the bill passed uh, the House of Representatives. And signed that same night. And signed that same night. That's correct. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well. You know, and, and again, you know, I, I don't have a problem with union work. I, I no, my, no, no. My, my parents were members of unions. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got a lot of friends that are, that are members of unions, whether it's, you know, electrical, IBW, some of the, uh, some of the other labor unions, the teachers union, you know, there, there's a lot of good people. The issue that I have is that when you're, t- when you're dealing with state money, uh, when you're dealing with state projects, everybody should have a fair chance to bid on those, uh, not tip the scale in favor of one group or of, over another. That's not what this country is built on, um, you know, in terms of equal protection under the law. You know, this is a law, and it's giving unequal, uh, an unequal advantage to one group of individuals, one group of companies uh, over another. Well, I would say we keep you abreast of this situation, but it's already been signed. But it's already been signed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, passed both chambers and signed within a week. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you know, usually with a with a just a technical bill like bond bill norm, a mini bond bill normally is, it's right. not a problem. It's not a problem. Uh, yeah. But this is, this is an abnormality, and, and hopefully this is not something that we're going to be expecting happen on a regular basis. Things like this that are controversial, have no chance for a public hearing, get ramrodded through in a week in the General Assembly. Um, that's, that, that's, that's not good governance. Well, what we can keep you abreast on is the EV mandates. Yes. And what may come of that, look, if you're listening or watching this on YouTube, 
right to Governor Carney, mm -hmm. right to so sec Secretary Garvin. Secretary yep. Garvin. Yep. Um, that information's out there. I'll provide a link mm -hmm. either in the description of this podcast or on the YouTube to um, to look at the graphic and also to the, their email addresses. Um, but, you know, winding this down, Senator, what else you got going on? You know, it's JFC break right now. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I've been uh, dipping out every once in a while and, and looking at what's going on in JFC, um, you know, listening to some of the testimony from the department heads, uh, from the cabinet agencies to see, you know, why they're, uh, why they're asking for the amounts that they are, uh, kind of getting a, uh, an idea of the questioning that's happening um, to the to the department so you know just really following with that and you know whenever we're not in session it's always constituent issues uh, you know dealing more and more with constituent issues so uh, that's that's been going on um, got my first coffee coming up next month over on the new area of my district um, think we'll have something some uh, emails and some uh, social media posts about that but uh, you know it's uh, you know, it's it's next month, March or February. Next month, well, actually, it's this month. Okay, it's, it's February now. Yeah, <laughs> January went by yeah. that quick. Yeah, so this month, uh, the third Saturday, we're going to be over at Ocean Grill. Uh, so we'll be doing the uh, the coffee over there. But uh, you know, just uh, you know, it, it's when people say, "Well, do you really do any work outside of session when you're not in session?" Yeah, we do. I, yeah, I've always <laughs> maintained that the six months. And either when you're not in session, mm -hmm. often you're the busiest. We are, we are, because there's there's less structure. You know, at least when we're in session, you know, it's it's Monday, or it's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You know, we've got session at a certain time, so that's blocked off for meetings. You know, my calendar is usually in ten minute blocks uh, leading up to on a session day to that. Uh, but then when we're not in session, it's just kind of a free for all. With, with anybody that wants to schedule meetings or, you know, if there's issues, I have to go over and, and take a look at a, at a tax ditch or, you know, talk to uh, one of our farmers about uh, an issue that they have. You know, it's, it's, it's all over the place. And with a district as big as mine, it uh, causes me to put a lot of miles on my vehicles as well. Well, Senator, look, I appreciate you taking time yep. out of your day to come here and uh, discuss these issues. If you want to stay in touch with Senator Pettyjohn or get updates from uh, his newsletter, Look, you can send me an email address, uh, email uh, request, mm. so I can get that out. Matthew.revel at Delaware.gov or to Senator Pettyjohn yeah. himself. Brian dot Pettyjohn with an I, B-R-I-A-N dot Pettyjohn at Delaware.gov. Yeah, yeah. So if that's something you'd like to receive, send me a note, send us a note, yeah. and we'll get you hooked up. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. Awesome, Senator. Well, thank Appreciate you. Appreciate that. Yep. The Second Floor Podcast is recorded and produced by the Delaware State Senate Republican Caucus. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter with username DESenateGOP and at senategop.delaware.gov.